I've been thinking that we should move the holidays into January and February. I think whoever designed this calendar got it wrong. Here we are in January with months of winter still to go, and yet all our traditional winter festivities are over. Sure, most of us honor MLK Day and Valentine's Day, maybe President's Day. But none of these are really designed to get us through months of darkness, cold, rain, and snow. Our typical winter holidays, whether Christmas, Hanukkah, Solstice, Kwanzaa, are front-loaded into the season. Culturally dominant Christmas was time to match the solstice, the longest night of the year, as well as the end of the harvest season, when food and drink was plentiful and people had lots of free time. But in our society today, the holidays are less about escaping darkness and splurging from the harvest, and more about a celebration of winter and the tradition that we celebrate. They're about enjoying a festive, comforting winter aesthetic, sinking into timeless rituals, seeing family, cultivating memories. And yet for many of us, by the time winter actually comes, the holidays are already over. If we celebrate Christmas on December 24th, winter literally only began three days before. Hanukkah often takes place in the fall before winter starts. The solstice, the time when our congregation honors winter for winter's sake, marks the first day of winter itself. Now I can imagine some folks listening here or on Zoom saying, who cares about holidays and winters and when we celebrate them? The holidays are what they are. They are when they are. And now here in January, what they are is over. Let's move on. And for many of us, that is fine. But for others, the end of the holidays bring melancholy. Who hasn't ended Christmas for those who are celebrating, feeling a bit disappointed after all the buildup? Or disillusioned, perhaps, by the magical memories of past holidays and their struggle to bring those back alive, that this was all there is. We also look ahead to the long, bleak, drab winter, empty of cheer to months of darkness, cold and rain and snow. We are left on our own little excuse to gather when we really need it. No merry songs or festivals, no ancient traditions to tie in and get us through. It should then come as zero surprise that January sees the highest rates of depression of any month throughout the year. It also experiences the peak of seasonal affective disorder, which goes by another name, winter depression. We use up the holidays before we really truly need them. Sure, the nights are long in December and that can be rough, but what we really need all the good cheer is in deep midwinter. These two months coming up, not at the beginning, which is really still autumn anyways. So I'll say it again. We should move the holidays. The other problem with the way that we celebrate the winter hard holidays is that we start much too early in the fall, when, which many people don't realize is actually 
through late December. And the fall is pretty great by itself. It has its own unique seasonal qualities and is by far America's favorite season statistically. It has Halloween, Day of the Dead, Thanksgiving, football, the natural beauty of changing leaves, and all those wonderful fall festivities and iconic traditions, from trick-or-treating to everything pumpkin to remembering lost loved ones to celebrating the harvest. But for most of America, and definitely our culture, at least right after Thanksgiving, it goes, it's go time for the winter holidays. Trees and garlands, menorahs, they all go up. Holiday music is played, parties are thrown. We celebrate winter weeks before winter actually begins. Perhaps this was inspired by the Christian seed of the season of Advent, which starts the weekend after Thanksgiving. But it was also probably inspired by our capitalist impulse to sell as many Christmas gifts and decorations as possible. You can't do that if you start on December 24th. Now, the season of Advent is all about anticipation. It's about getting ready, about preparing ourselves, if we are Christian, for the birth of Jesus. And that is a good thing. But Advent, for most of Christian history, was supposed to be solemn, kind of like Lent, reverential, and decidedly not Christmas. Advent was its own special thing. But now we treat the whole of December, the whole of Advent, as if it were. In the home goods store by my apartment up by 100th Street, I saw Christmas and Hanukkah decorations on sale pre-Halloween. I could barely find pumpkin spice at my local grocery store by Thanksgiving. So full already was it of peppermint and gingerbread. The holidays are all mixed up. Why are we letting the autumnal holidays, which are distinct and profound and rich in their own right, get smothered by a holiday that is supposed to celebrate a season that doesn't even start until the end of December? We have neutered the fall for the chance to prematurely celebrate winter, which in turn deprives us of the winter holidays when we truly need them, in deep winter, January and February. It was not always this way. For most of Christmas history, at least, Christmas didn't actually begin until Christmas. Actual Christmas, December 25th. Most often, Christmas bled deeper into winter towards and into January rather than the opposite direction. When Christmas trees, for example, first became popular in the United States in the early to mid-1800s, it was not uncommon for them to go up on Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. In the Catholic Church, the octave of Christmas is honored, eight days starting with Christmas, which includes feast days and carols that we incorrectly assume are actually Christmas. Christmas carols which are not Christmas carols, like Coventry Carol, is actually for the Feast of the Holy Innocents on December 28th, or Good King Wenceslas, which is popular for St. Stephen's Day on December 26th. Then you have the 12 days of Christmas, which extend to Epiphany on January 6th. We Three Kings, which we will sing later, is actually an Epiphany Carol, not Christmas, 
because it celebrates the arrival of three kings or magi, as they actually are referred to in the Bible, to Bethlehem. Today is traditionally Epiphany Sunday, when that carol is sung. It marks the time when many Christians today end the Christmas season. The decorations come down, the trees are taken down. You kind of stop listening to Christmas music if you are still listening to it. And after that, many people, at least today, start feeling a bit sheepish about having a tree still up, about listening to Christmas music, about wearing a festive sweater that looks a little too red or green or blue and white. We are expected to go gently into that still long and dark night of winter, but without the joy and festivity of the holidays. But you can go further back, even past today. In the Middle Ages, the holiday season did not end until February 2nd, the holiday of Candlemas. This was when the baby Jesus was presented to the priests at the temple and was recognized by people who weren't the people in the Christmas story as the Messiah. Only then, by February 2nd, was Christmas over. It was celebrated by everyone bringing a candle to the church, having it lit in the service, and then taking the candle home with them to symbolize the spreading of light over the world. It is fitting that that date of Candlemas falls equally between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, a pivotal moment in the actual lighting of the world as our planet turns towards spring. There are other non-Christian traditions that ground us and give us hope in these months as well. Tuba Shavat, which we will celebrate here at this congregation with our Jewish friends from West End Synagogue in February, honors trees and new life in anticipation of spring. Candlemas, which occurs on the same day as a pagan holiday, Imbolc, an earth-centered celebration that honors the time when seeds deep in the earth begin to show life. Life is beginning. Spring is coming even as early as early February. Celtic traditions speak to the eternal battle between what is called the Oak King and the Holly King, who each reign for half the year. The Holly King, the personification of winter, is born on the summer solstice and gains strength until he begins his reign at the autumnal equinox. The Oak King, representing summer, is born on the winter solstice and builds strength until taking over in spring. This mirror is a pre-Anglo-Saxon conception of the seasons, which articulated only two, winter and summer. Fall and spring would be developed later. And as for much of winter history, the winter solstice was at the midpoint of winter, not at the start. We see in this history, while the details are interesting and important, the most important thing is the rarely considered truth that seasons themselves are human constructions. Different cultures and societies articulate them differently depending on their needs. So we can do the same. In a society that sees high rates of depression and loneliness and sadness in January and February, we can articulate them differently too. There is no reason for us to go into January and February so empty-handed. There's no reason to enter into the long winter without spiritual and emotional support. There's no reason for the holidays to end at the start of winter 
rather than extend deep within it. We can do whatever the heck we want with the winter. We can do what medieval Christians did and celebrate the holidays till February, Candlemas or Imbolc. We can embrace the winter power of the Holly King, which lasts until the spring equinox. What is beautiful about being Unitarian Universalists, our faith tradition here, is that our tradition trusts and empowers us to seek out and live a religious life that is meaningful to us. Not anybody else. Not what society says we should do. But us. We can forge our own path. We can celebrate the holidays as long as we want or find something else that means something to us. Now, I think we should move the holidays to January and February, although I recognize it is not up to me. But this is when we need the good cheer the most. And I don't think this will happen anytime soon, but we as good Unitarian Universalists can always make the holidays our own. We know that winter is a tough season. It is gloomy and it is dark, it is cold and it is wet, despite beautiful sunny days like today. We are often more isolated from family and friends and spring is a long, long way away. If you find these winter months difficult, find here permission to change our society's strange, unhelpful and discordant seasonal calendar. Find here the blessing to keep your tree up, to listen to whatever holiday songs you want to for as long as you want, and play them loudly without shame. Sink into whatever winter traditions are near to your heart and keep celebrating the coming of the light. Find here the encouragement to look back to ancient times and traditions and societies that found ways to productively and happily and joyfully and meaningfully honor the winter months in ways that we haven't found out to do yet. For you, maybe that's Candlemas or Imbolc. Maybe it's Tuba Shavat or Epiphany or one of the many winter feast days. Maybe it's your own thing. But whatever it is, I hope that in doing so, we can have a better winter and start pushing out these common feelings of depression and despair that so many of us feel so alone with at this time of year. We will have then discovered holidays in a season that truly speaks for us because we have had the courage and the ingenuity to make them work for us when we need them the most and to bring us together once again. May we find that peace of winter. Amen. Hi, Reverend Skyler. Hey, Deb. Nice mm -hmm. to be with you. Good to be with you, too. Thank you for joining me for getting the message. Um, let's jump right in. What inspired your message today? Well, I was thinking about how uh, January and February kind of uh, often, I think, for a lot of people, are very difficult. Uh, certainly, the statistics back that up. Um, this, I certainly experience feelings of letdown after the holidays. Um, because it's sort of like they're here and then they're gone just like that. And, uh, it always feels kind of artificial, um, uh, and also a bit off kilter because I feel like when the winter really starts is the time that I kind of want that. I don't, I don't need to feel like holiday feelings when it's, there's still leaves on the trees. And, 
uh, it's still warm outside. Like that feel discordant to me. So I, I would love, <laughs> love to be able to have the winter stuff later on in the, in the winter when it really feels like winter. Um, uh, and so I've been thinking about that and wrestling with it. And I think part of, part of our work collectively yours and mine, Deb, is that we, you know, we're kind of stewards of, of sort of seasonal changes and holidays, um, as mm -hmm. work in a congregation. Um, and so maybe we feel, uh, and uniquely attuned to that discordancy sometimes. Um, but uh, I was reflecting on it this fall, especially. Mm -hmm. Well, I agree with you. I think, um, especially many of us are working remotely or hybrid too. So that's another layer this year that adds to this, um, dynamic of the seasonality and the impacts of it. So it's definitely very timely, <laughs> this message. Um, my next question, um, one of my favorite lines in the message is, what is beautiful about being Unitarian Universalist is that our tradition trusts and empowers us to seek out and live a religious life that is meaningful to us, to forge our own path. Um, this is super reassuring to me um, and also like very scary at the same time. <laughs> Do you have any advice or encouragement if people like we're balancing those two emotions or feelings as we forge this path and try to make this season fit our lives more? Sure. I would love, before I do that, I'd love to hear kind of how that lives in your life. Um, what, how is it both interesting, but also kind of scary? <laughs> I think that um, living where we live, I come across such diversity and like, whether it's class, whether it's culture, whether it's learning style, because I do a lot in schools, right, with education, there is just an abundance of diversity um, and plurality. And so I, I use that in my approach to like, we are all having very different religious experiences too, or spiritual experiences and journeys. Um, and so it's reassuring to me that my faith tradition or my um, faith journey can support the actual lived experience and plurality uh, that I experience on a day-to-day -day basis, just within my own family and then anyone else I interact with. And so I like that it's not very... Um, stubborn and rigid and um so what I try to do is like listen to others listen to different um reflections like different journal I journal or I'll read different devotionals from different traditions I love Thich Nhat Hanh um there are a variety of Christian-based readers I listen or read also um so I just love the diversity of it all and the ability to just reflect and take what fits me in the moment <laughs> or what, what I'm going through right now and like apply it. And so that's beautiful. The scary part is um, as we have all these different pieces to our identity, um, I, as a person, like as a person in my like profession, I do operations outside of this. I always am trying to figure out what is the, what is my identity or what are my bare minimums of what I'm looking for in any situation or what am I bringing to the table? So clarity of purpose. And so I think because of religion and this plurality, other than the principles, there aren't like surefire things and like, oh, if I jog every day, I'm going to be great. Or if I, <laughs> so like there's this desire to have just a clear cut answer, but there often isn't. So that's where I am. I know it's long winded. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Deb, thank you for sharing all that. Uh, I really interested to hear it. And, and you're absolutely right. I think it is scary. It's like, a, you know, we're, we are given this great gift of, of, of freedom and of religious belief and pursuit of our own journey. And then like, 
there's a little bit, I think people sometimes feel Unitarian Universalism. It's like, you're just kind of, but it, freedom is also like abdication, like the, the faith that kind of like leaves you there being like, go off and do it and like figure it out yourself. Um, and, you know, it's kind of a lonely experience, it's overwhelming. I mean, there's so much, so much out there in the world. Like, how do you decide what's good and what's not? And um, I think, I think probably as a tradition, we could do better with guidelines or guidance or some kind of intentional scaffolding around spirituality. I, I think for me, what I like about seasons and holidays is that they provide these sort of touch points uh, mm -hmm. throughout the year that invite us to reflect um, in ways that are very, I think, personally profound for, for ourselves, but also for us as like a society. Um, and, that, and that's part of why, part of given that great diversity of human experience, right? We have ourselves, but, but some ways like holidays and seasons are these sort of universal things that not only we share as people, but like the whole world experiences as far as like the natural world, right? Like seasons and stuff. Um, obviously those vary depending on where you are. Um, but so for me, that's part of why I am really interested in, in seasonality and, and sort of how people celebrate it um, because it gives, it gives us a grounding that is, is often really, um, uh, it's really alive in our lives, whether we, if we choose to see it. Um, and there's also, I think one of the neat things about, about it, that there's often like a lot of, there's usually a ton of the deep and work that's been done over centuries around a lot of this stuff, right? So that they can be uncovered if you really want to. And so I think Unitarian Universalism sometimes is accused of being a mile long and an inch deep. Uh, we cover a lot of stuff you might hear in a service like oh judaism this or islam that but like you don't really go very deep into it you're kind of just like throwing stuff out there because we all believe different things and so you can't really go deep but i do think that like with seasonal stuff and also like holidays whether it, they're ours we practice or not there's a lot of depth because people have been experiencing this stuff <laughs> they've experienced mm -hmm. winter for thousands <laughs> of years and so there's a lot of a lot of a lot of really profound things that you can explore and dive into as well as holidays. So part of my hope with the sermon was to give people permission if they find January and February to be difficult months, um, as I think a lot of us do, or at least kind of like purposeless months. Because I think a lot of, you know, whether we struggle or not, they're, they don't, they don't have, they don't, there's not a spirit to them in the same way there is maybe to the autumn or mm -hmm. to December or even to the spring um, and summer, there's sort of these nebulous things that that there do exist ways of understanding um, or living, whether it's like the holidays as we perceive them here in the United States, or whether it's taking other traditions that build upon them like, um, you know, Candlemas um, or Imbolc in February, right? Uh, we got to the same date, but um, there are other other ways of experiencing and, and further, uh, further opportunities to to make meaning and build community mm -hmm. in those months if we look and we can also i think give ourselves permission to draw upon older traditions like we talk about like christmas really extending to february 2nd the candlemas right? <laughs> right. that's, that's a long time i mean most people it's like <laughs> epiphany is the very end if you're a christian and like you know, right. got further than epiphany right and this is epiphany sunday that you know um, and so everything comes down for most of us, or we may feel a bit sheepish or embarrassed to keep the, the decorations up uh, <laughs> afterwards. But but the, historically, like we can live into this other tradition that was very powerful, and the idea of Candlemas sort of bringing the light into the spring is also very profound. And I think mm -hmm. uh, 
whether we're Christians or not, like that is, it's based on this idea of the sun coming and the light bringing, being brought in, though it's tied to ideas of Christianity as well, but mm-hmm. uh, there's no reason why we at fourth you or Unitarian Universalists can't live into that and make it our own. I think it's very- Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> I appreciate that there are centuries old traditions and that is something to like spend more time reflecting on and dig, dive, diving more into. Um, my final question for you is, were there any things you had to leave out for any reason? Or <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the things that got cut very explicitly was this, was a, a di- deeper dive into the way that the fall factors into sort of the the seasonal arc uh, mm-hmm. of, of the year um, and it felt like a distraction um, okay. the winter focus but you know the idea that the holiday the holiday season at least to me as someone who's sort of responsible for stewarding it to some level as, as a pastor here starts in September to some level with the the fall equinox and then builds through Halloween and sort of the harvest Thanksgiving season and then peaks with Christmas and uh, and part of the shame I talk a little bit about this is that sort of like autumn, which is a great month in itself, is sort of deprived of of its uniqueness. And I think uh, 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 Christmas kind of takes it away in a time that doesn't even need it. But I would have talked more about that. I think, um, and I think some of those other winter holidays, um, I could have talked more about New Year's, which occupies I think a unique place in the cultural uh, and uh, mm-hmm. seasonal space, which is sort of like a almost like a it's like a release valve to sort of the, the holy earnestness of Christmas that New Year's kind of comes along and says like, well, now we can we can really kind of live it up after we've been super earnest about like silent nights and like the holy manger, <laughs> like drink a lot, stay up really late uh, and right. then kind of get back to normal. Um, and and that, I didn't get into that because that's sort of a unique thing too that uh, I didn't know <laughs> I could put it. But but New Year's has occupies a very interesting space in that in the sort of the seasonal arc uh, of I think this this like September through January that mm-hmm. we all know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I agree with you. That is that may have taken a, a distraction route. So like I understand. I appreciate <laughs> you stewarding it and making sure <laughs> you kept it in um, the things in that you wanted. Well, as always, I appreciate chatting with you and learning about the process and reflecting with you um, on the sermon. So thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. This was fun. Thank you for your good questions. And uh, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes. Thank you all. Bye-bye. Bye.